the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do we deal with differing politics within the church? And then, how to process disappointment? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. I'm normally joined by my co-host, Aubrey Sampson, but Aubrey's going to be out all week. Uh, we'll talk. We'll let her share when she comes back. But basically, Steve, she's knocking a book out. Yeah. Like, she's got a, a manuscript due at the end of the week. And we were like, hey, you need to just Big go in. Uh, so good for her. Like, she's on book four, five, six. I don't even know what it is. I She's written more than I've read as of late. So uh, excited for Aubrey to do that. And that voice you hear joining me, though, is our friend Steve Koble. Steve's teaching pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, you know, obviously sleep deprived. There you go. Uh, my wife is at work. My toddler is trying to figure out the <laughs> uh, the toddler bed. But uh, all things considered, man, life is good. You and I just had the talk before we started about like the age of your kids is physically exhausting, and the age of my kids is emotionally exhausting. Like it's just parenting's never not exhausting. <laughs> uh, but I remember the how old are your kids? You got two, and they're yeah, pretty I got, young. One is eight months, going to be uh, nine months here soon, and the other is two and uh, two years and four months. There you go. That's tiring, my friend. That's yeah. tiring. So as I said, you're the teaching pastor at the Renewal Church of Chicago. Uh, as we love to say, see your marketing works because every time I say it, I go, it's a stone's throw from the United Center. Uh, but give us just the thumbnail sketch of Renewal Church of Chicago. Yeah, Renewal Church of Chicago uh, was planted by a friend of mine named Derek Puckett uh, about nine years ago. And so we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years in That's awesome. uh, in September. Um, but uh, it's a, a dream uh, really for him and for both of us to see a, a multi-ethnic church in the city, and oftentimes you think of like Chicago Bulls. You go to a Bulls game, mm-hmm. and you see all these different people from different uh, backgrounds and cultures uh, centered around uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we thought to ourselves, man, why is that not the case in the church? Mm-hmm. And so we want that to be uh, something that that Jesus said He died to reconcile us to one another. Uh, we want to see that happen on uh, in church as it is in heaven. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, Steve is over at the Renewal Church of Chicago. You might recognize that name. The great irony is that Aubrey is at Renewal Church in West Chicago. Steve is at Renewal Church of Chicago, and they have nothing to do with each other. How you guys aren't having a – you're both uh, run very similar types of churches. How you guys aren't linked together just feels feels like we're missing something I don't know. There. You know, I think of it as like when – you were a kid, and for whatever reason, your mom was picking names, and that season of <laughs> yes. name was Lisa. Or yes. you know what I mean? That see, that's my mother in law talks about how many Lisas she knows there is in her same age range, and uh, that's just the reality of that particular season. People are on the same wavelengths and thinking of the same kind of things, and things get named that way. Uh, my son Jackson, when he 
So when my daughter was born almost four years before him, if she had been a boy, it was going to be Jackson. And at that time, we didn't know any other Jacksons. Yeah, yeah. Less, a little less than four years later when he was born, we named him Jackson. And there's Jackson's everywhere. <laughs> it's like So exactly to what you're speaking, uh, it is the case. So uh, I just got back from vacation. I was able to go uh, down to Florida, and it was Ooh. spectacular. Me, my wife, and my three kids. Uh, first, it was spectacular because it wasn't overly warm. It was like 65 degrees, but it was 65 degrees. Mm. And it was... Uh, to put shorts on, to go to the beach, to do stuff like that was outstanding. Uh, but just to be away with family is just so fun. Your kids, I know you told me off air you're about to travel with them, but when they get older and you travel, it's just there's nothing that I enjoy more over the years than vacationing as a family. Really? I really love it. My kids <laughs> vacation well together to the point that even we drive everywhere. So we drove to Orlando. Uh, I go to Orlando, but don't go to any of the parks because that will require a second mortgage. Uh, (laughs) But we drove there and we'd split it up on the way down the way home, man. 18 hours. Left at three in the morning. We're just going. We're hauling. And my kids, they were great. It was awesome. It was good times. I can't can't even imagine. My wife would be saying uh, two hours in, like, okay, (laughs) bathroom breaks for everybody. Oh, we took a lot of those. Snacks for everybody. (laughs) It's so true. But it was a great way to start the new year. And uh, But it is good to be back on the air, good to be back together. I do want to, before we jump into big topics later on, I do want to catch up just about New Year's. Mm. For That's what that's the holiday we've just passed. Now, now we're into the doldrums of the winter. We all staring at snow tomorrow, <laughs> all of this stuff. But New Year's, New Year's resolutions, kind of this. Are you a New Year's resolutions guy? Wipe the board clean, turn it into a new year, and now I'm going to do all this stuff? Or is that not your how you work? You know, I think in recent years, I actually have become a New Year's resolution kind of person. I think historically, I've kind of seen it as it's just hard to do the continuation That's from right. winter to spring to summer to fall and and kind of think of those things as one thing. So I kind of do it semester by semester oh, historically. But this year, I'm I'm kind of back to the drawing board. My wife and I kind of setting some goals for uh, for the new year, and uh, you know, you get a little older, you get some blood work uh, done, and, and realize like, okay, uh, the doctor says it'd be good to lose ten pounds yep. uh, for for many reasons, and so I actually have this New Year's resolution of doing. Uh, it's a app called Noom. I know it well. Um, yes, and so I lost like twenty five pounds doing this uh, two years ago, and I'm I'm gonna do it again this year. I'm doing it right now. And uh, it's an app that kind of helps you think through how you relate to food. Huh. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to take a healthier approach to, to coping through food. Yeah. I, I feel badly that I've probably eaten two candy bars in front of you since, <laughs> since you got here today. That's all right. The sparkling water. L- little helps. candy bars. Little candy bars. Yeah. It's always interesting. Like I went to export this morning and uh, I let, needless to say, I was not the only one there today. Mm. Right. Like you get the new... Uh, people are like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to do yep, this. Yep. And it was packed. And by February, March, I used to work at a health club when I was in college, and it would always be January was crazy. By February 15th, all <laughs> your regulars were back. Uh, but there is something almost biblical, right, about this idea of a new a new start, yeah, a new wiping the slate clean. Like I, I do think there's something for us that reminds us of even the good news of the gospel every new year. You know, I— to your point, it's the the starting over, mm-hmm. the the rebirth, if you will, of uh, old things have passed away, all things have become uh, become new, and so 
the reality of the message that we carry is uh, a restart or a, a new life, as many churches are, are called, or uh, a renewal, if you will, uh, of things. And so it is, in, in that sense, it is an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. It's good news, right? All, a new creation. God makes all things new. And uh, I wanted to start there today just to celebrate that truth, right? There's biblical imagery all around us. It annoys me that it's going to snow tomorrow. Like some people love snow. I, I'm just hoping it is a much. Uh, it, it messes with your day. It messes with everything you have to do. But there is the biblical image of white as snow mm-hmm. and that we can we can celebrate that tomorrow. We can celebrate the new creation. Uh, so wanted to start there. I should have asked you, by the way, two and a half. You said two and a half years old. Almost two and a half in February. In eight months. What yep. was Christmas like? That's got to be. Do they get it? It was Two and a half has fun. to get it. Yeah, yeah. I think he, at least in terms of the idea of opening presents, and so <laughs> yes. that was exciting, and he was good at opening the presents. Very excited for some trucks. I think, you know, it was still, my wife loves to take the pictures in the in the yep. uh, matching pajamas. Um, Love it. But for me, it's fun to see him get excited about stuff and uh, be excited about some new trucks or you know, just see it, see the excitement on his face uh, brings me satisfaction. Isn't so. it fun? It is funny how your your perspective and your focus moves from like, oh, it used to be. It was just, what am I getting? What are yeah, we yeah, doing? Now yeah. it's like, I want to buy those gifts, although my wife tends to buy all the gifts for my kids. But, uh, you know, it tends to be that and that waking up when they're little. It's just a wonderful thing this year uh, and for the last couple of years. I'm the first one up on Christmas morning, and I'm waking everybody up. (laughs) Uh, The night before, my wife and I have like a negotiation. What time can I wake everybody up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, it it was really fun this year. Well, we're glad that you're joining us today again. Excited to be joined by Steve Coble here, uh, teaching pastor, Renewal Church of Chicago. He's Steve's actually going to be with us all week. Coming up next, a pastor by the name of Chris Davis. He wrote an article over at Religion News Service where he just says this, I have election protesters and never Trumpers in my pews. How can we move forward? What does unity look like with differing politics within our churches? We're going to tackle that question next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. AM 1160. Friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Steve Coble. My name is Brian Fromm. This music's about to turn. I've learned it enough here. There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, man. So dramatic at the start. I feel like we, you know, like, whoa, what's going on? And then and then we get going. Anyway, glad to be joined by Steve Coble today on a Monday as Aubrey Sampson is out today and for the whole week. Steve may or may not know this, but Steve's with us all week this week. So <laughs> we're going to have some fun together. Glad that you're joining us today. After this feels like I know I told you I was on vacation, so that makes mm-hmm. it feel a little bit this way because I know a lot of people went back to work last week. But today kind of feels like the day back, right? Like kids are going back to school. You got a full work week. Like it yeah, feels yeah. like now it's just winter. Like now we're just <laughs> now it's just winter time, I think. So uh, glad that everybody is with us today. All right. Uh, not sure if you realize this. We've got an election coming up. And I think there's the question. There's a lot of questions that come with this election, uh, you know, that's going to happen in November. Um, But here's here's a big one for us as pastors, Steve. How do you uh, have unity within the church when people vote differently 
especially in an age where people feel so strongly about it. But let me ask a more foundational or, or back it up a little bit. Um, should we as pastors want churches in which people vote differently? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, my thought to that initially is uh, we should want people who vote differently, um, but it makes it more challenging. Yes. And so the the most important thing, I, I think, is to continually uh, put in front of followers of Jesus that we are disciples of Jesus and not of uh, not of Fox News and not of CNN mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever particular uh, station that you like to listen to and get your news from. And so that's an important thing to, to always consider. And then the other thing I think that is that we live in a generation where politics has become a kind of religion. Yes. And, and so I think as a pastor, I, I want to continually and perpetually be putting that in front of uh my people mm-hmm. and reminding them over and over and over again that our hope is in Jesus. Amen. It's not in uh, a political party. Our hope is in uh, the the Messiah who's coming to make all things new. This is not the place where he's going to, to do that. Um, he's not going to do that through this election. He's going to do it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to continually remind people of that. And, uh, and I think the reality is, is that you just got to c- continually press it continually press yeah. it because in my experience people had the tendency to go back to but but this is what so and so said or yeah. this is this is how everybody else is saying that if 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 we don't do this then this is what is going to happen and the reality is is not a lot of people have a perspective that takes into context all of eternity and God being sovereign That's over right. all of those That's things right. it's uh when it comes to unity i think this is really hard to live out. This is like what I'm about to say makes for a great bumper sticker. Just the mm-hmm. difficult uh, living out. Uh, unity is not the same as uniformity. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we want to be unified under the under the the lordship of Jesus Christ, and then work out our differences of opinions mm-hmm. on the other stuff, including politics. Right? Like, uh, I am not one of those people who says only Republicans can be Christians, only Democrats can be. That's that kind of gets the the important thing uh you're 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 putting secondary things up primary uh yeah. in that and that's not helpful but it's super messy yeah the age of social media the yeah. age of you already touched on cable news uh politics i heard somebody on the radio the other day describe politics that people now view their politics like most of us have always viewed sports uh is my team winning we get up in the morning oh, is my wow. team winning I don't know. I might think that more we treat our politics like we treat our religion. Like exactly. there's only one way and this is the way. Right. And the if you don't agree with my way, you are evil. You are to be defeated. Yeah. Uh, so what's our role as pastors as between now and November? How do we do we talk about <laughs> it from the pulpit? Do we talk about it uh, in uh, online? Like what is our role? Because I really do struggle with this. I'm not sure I handled this well in the last elections. Yeah. I'm more like, hey, I'm just going to preach and let you all figure it out. But then they're sure, all sure. people are being evangelized, if you will, or discipled through then right. cable news. So right. how do you guys at your church kind of work through, all right, we, we want people who believe different or, you know, vote differently and do differently. But how do we disciple through that? What what's, yeah. what, what do you guys do? I mean, it's a, it's a challenging thing and a, and a difficult thing. I'm not sure that we do it uh, great. Um 
but I have a good friend of mine who's actually a libertarian and oh. um and actually worked uh in some republican previously republican uh background candidacies in in Indiana for some time okay. and he's a really thoughtful guy and uh the thing about uh me is, is that he respect, respects me uh a lot in terms of how I understand history even as uh a minority, um, mm. how I understand um, my faith and how it informs uh, those things. So there's there's a willingness from him to submit to authority in, in terms of like there's things that you know that I don't know. And then there's some willingness from me to sit across from him at lunch and listen to yes. why um, he thinks strongly about a lot. So there's some charity given to uh, to me and uh, and because I I have relationship with him, um, I, there's charity that I give to him to mm-hmm. to listen and hear. And so, I I think uh, one of my uh, one of the most important things that I think we can do as as far as being in community with one another is to sit at dinner uh, tables together and sit at lunch together and be incredibly charitable to one another to lay down our rights for the benefit of others mm-hmm. uh, to consider others as better than ourselves. All of those different things in terms of the the ethic of how you treat other people and the one another passages of the Bible, um, I think that needs to be at the forefront of mm. uh, not enemy, not enemy. This is brother, sister in Christ. This is uh, a person who has a differing opinion of uh, than me, whose life is centered around Jesus Christ. Um, that is the foremost uh, identity that needs to be represented in in the way that we relate to one another. That's right. Uh, What would you say to somebody who said, I I respectfully disagree, Pastor. This is a day where it's good versus evil. Like it's because I've I've talked to people who've essentially said that or if they haven't used those those exact words that you could tell that's how they view it. I'm a I'm a strong Republican and what the Democrats are doing are evil. So I don't want to sit across the table from a from a Democrat. I don't want to sit across the table from uh, maybe I'm a Democrat and I go, I don't want to sit across the table from a Trump supporter. Uh, yeah. What, what would you say to somebody in your church who's like, yeah, I understand there are Christians and stuff. I just, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, well, I think that there's a reality to the ethic that we have towards uh, human beings. That is this person is made in the image of God. Mm. And so I honor uh, the image of God because if you, uh, if you seek to tear down uh, a person who's made in the image of God, in in essence, you're seeking to tear down God. Mm. Um, and that's incredibly problematic in terms of what it means to be a follower of his. And so, I mean, I, I don't know where I would start with that. I think, what is what is evil and why is it evil? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then try to walk back. Help me understand uh, some of the, the reasons why you you feel this way. And then I think what we we'd actually get into is that man, you've been discipled by uh, politics, or yeah. you actually have built your life around a religious party, or excuse me, a political party more than you have around um, the Word of God. Yeah, it's such a good word because this is difficult. I was reading this article, got me thinking about it by Chris Davis. He's a pastor, and he wrote at the Religion News Service, and he asks a great question. That I think everybody should wrestle with. He says. For starters, does our Christian faith truly transcend our political opinions? And then he writes, should it? And I think we would say, yes, it should. But I'm not sure everybody agrees with that. And, guys, we've got not, uh, 10, 11 months that are going to be hot. 
yeah. <laughs> for, from now. And then it's not going to calm down after Here that. Here we go. Here we go. And how's the church and Christians going to respond, I think, is going to be fascinating. All right, coming up next, uh, Steve, I don't mean to do this to you. I'm going to make you face some pain from your weekend. We're going to talk a little bit of sports. Steve's favorite team, football team, had a, a heartbreaker. I want to talk about disappointment in general, but to get there, we're going to have to walk you through some pain. <laughs> We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Steve Koble, who is sitting in for Aubrey Sampson today. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a cold, gray <laughs> Monday where snow is in the forecast for the next 24 hours. Are you like, um, yeah, I can't wait for snow, or is it like, oh, snow? Well, I drive an SUV, and I'm getting new tires tomorrow, so I'm kind of like, let's see how this thing goes. <laughs> that's that's the silver lining on the, the snow news. Okay, okay. Yeah, I I used to love snow, but I've reached the point where I just find snow annoying. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, let's just, I'm good without it. But hey, whether I want it to or not, it's coming, apparently. Not a huge one, but... Enough probably to make our commute tomorrow morning a little bit uh, a little bit dicey, a little bit slow. Uh, so keep that into account. All right, Steve, we got to deal with disappointment here for a second. Uh, let the let the people out there know your favorite football team. My favorite football team is the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, because you grew up in Indiana, uh, so you had the Peyton Manning years to enjoy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh back in the day, you, yep. you, it's been okay to be a Colt fan. Andrew Luck, like, you know, it's been okay. Yeah, and my experience has been better to be a Colts fan than a Bears fan. <laughs> it's fair, even in that one Super Bowl, yes. Uh, but yes, uh, but here's, I'm assuming you watch Saturday night's game, the Colts and uh, the Texans. Yep. So it was win and in, lose and out. The winner of the game was in the playoffs, ended up being the winner of the game, won the division because the Jaguars lost later on Sunday. But at the very least, the winner of that game was going to make the wild card. Loser done. Game was in Indianapolis. Great game. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, Came down to your team driving at the end. Fourth and two. Going for it. Uh, I thought a good play call, although I don't know why Jonathan Taylor was sitting on the sideline. But uh, a guy by the name of Tyler Goodson snuck out of the backfield. Gardner Minshew, not a perfect pass, a little bit behind him. Two hands on it. Dropped the ball. Season over. Basically. Basically season over at that point. What was going on? Like, Did you say words that are an unbecoming of a pastor in that <laughs> moment? Did you? What, how, did, how do you respond? Did you just turn the TV off and turn away and uh contemplate the bigger things of life like what do you do when your team season literally ended on that play yeah you know I tried to go in so you try to give yourself a cushion <laughs> every you know sort of quarter of the season mm-hmm. so when uh when the starting quarterback went down it's just sort of like all right we got a decent backup in Gardner Minshew yes um but then when you're still playing with your backup quarterback for the division title I feel like that says something about your mm-hmm. football team that you're a pretty good you're a pretty good football team. Uh Jonathan Taylor was not in uh a lot of the season. Yes. And and so I personally, yeah, did I turn the TV off and move on to other things? Yes, was I disappointed? Yes. But I have hope for the future. 
mainly mm-hmm. because fair. all of those teams Good are coach. playing with their starting quarterback. Yes, yes. Um, and we're still playing for the division with our backup quarterback, and our rookie quarterback is going to come back with another year of uh, of wisdom. Jonathan Taylor is going to be back. Um, and hopefully they'll they'll kind of put it together. And and as much as they think C.J. Stroud looks really good, and uh, and and even uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think the team is probably going to be better than those teams. It's fair. It's fair. I, that's a that is a well reasoned take. I don't know that you felt that reasoned in the moment, but <laughs> uh, hey, I'm a Giants fan. We've won multiple Super Bowls, so I can't complain too much. But like we literally lost. This was ten years ago. <laughs> ten years ago. We lost to our biggest rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, in a game that ended up knocking us out of playoffs. We were up 31-10 in the fourth quarter. They tied it and then won it on a walk-off punt return by Deshaun Jackson. Mm. And I I was not very Christ-like after that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Many of our Bears friends are feeling that after the Packers game yesterday. Yet another loss to the Packers. So we all get this. But here's what got me thinking, too. I want to have a deeper conversation here. The running back, Tyler Goodson, it is said, unsurprised, who dropped the ball, is, quote, taking the loss really hard, blaming himself for ending the season to the point that in the locker room there were reporters who were comforting him as they're asking Mm. him questions. This disappointment, right? We see this in sports all the time. Bill Buckner back in 86 or whatever. There's a hundred, there's a million examples. That's before my time, Brian. That's the last time I remember my Mets winning the World (laughs) Series right there, my friend. Uh, So those are very public disappointments. But I want to talk about day-to-day Major disappointments Mm. that we all struggle with, regrets, where we maybe have done something or we haven't done something. Maybe we missed an opportunity. Like the sports is easy. The guy had a first down and dropped the ball and is crushed. But there's other things that we do, you know, that each of us as humans, there's there's small regrets every day. But I want to talk about those big disappointments, those big missed opportunities, those big regrets. How do you get past them? Like, how do we get to the point where they're not paralyzing? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What I, would you I, tell somebody who's so. working through that maybe in their own life right now? Um, on a sort of like a philosophical level, I think that we carry and hold on to things that we aren't necessarily intended to carry and hold on to. And we've mm. talked about this. So yeah. We'll talk about this, but um, you know, the reality of the Christian journey, at least for followers of Jesus, is that um, Jesus is the only way that we could be right with God. Mm. So I think inherently we have an internal desire to have something to do with what makes us right with God. So then we look to the things that we've done and we're crushed by the disappointments mm-hmm. as opposed to hearing the words of Hebrews 12, one and two lay aside every weight and sin that that so easily entangles. And, uh, and if there are things that are holding us back that we can't move on from, um, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I holding on to things that God has already moved on from? Oh, interesting. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I, I just mean in the gospel that, you know, confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all, all unrighteousness. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to the things that that we've done. But the the really cool thing about Christianity is that uh, like the justification for my existence isn't tied to the things that I've done or not done. Mm. Um, and that's the thing that's like, oh, I'm OK. Ooh. 
So when the gospel talks about the uh, the freedom that we have in Christ or um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Galatians 5, 1, or uh, the the rest that we have entering into the rest of God, um, those are it's, it's a rest from the work. It's a rest from having to build your life on your achievements or your your failures. It's so like it's one of these things that I can think about and I get it's just so hard to live it out. Oh, right. Man. And because we're scorekeepers as as humans, right? We do this not well. But we do these in our marriages, right? Well, you did this. Well, you did yeah, this. Yeah. We scorekeep and we start to think that God scorekeeps like, <laughs> hey, today you didn't do this, this and this bad yeah, day yeah, for yeah. you uh, as opposed to. Uh, embracing the the truths and the, and that we read. So I I don't know how else to ask this. We ask this on the show regularly, but how do we do this? How don't we live lives of regret, disappointment, uh, just that weight? Because I you know I read Jesus saying you know my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah, yeah. But yet so many of us wear our sin like a, like it's just this weight around our neck that we can't ever get out from under even though we know the truths of the Bible, like how do we live this out actually? I think the reality is that, that is that um, we are always going to have um, things that we mess up on, on this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. And so I can either live in guilt and shame, carrying those things with me where, wherever I go, or I can say, let me look at God's word, Look at how he expects me to live. Um, give my full effort, leaning into the spirit of God, knowing that I'm going to mess up mm -hmm. and reminding myself that I'm standing in Jesus's righteousness Amen. and not my own. And and for us, because we're scorekeepers, the, the thing that I try to shock myself with <laughs> most often is that um, I don't have anything to do with my salvation. Yeah. Um, the thing that I try to shock myself with is that me trying to have something to do with it through the things that I do or don't do or through my achievements uh, or through it being crushed by my failures is me actually wanting to have righteousness apart from Jesus, which is in itself rebellion against God. Mm. So I'm sh I try to shock myself with that reality is that like the gospel of grace is is so unfamiliar to me. That I gotta go back to it over and over right. and over and over and over and over again, and and I think the thing about it is, is that man, I'm not gonna arrive at this until we get on the other side of eternity. It's gonna be a constant wrestle mm, uh, for me to believe good. that and to preach it to myself and to walk in it. Man, I think that's such a key: preaching it to ourselves mm -hmm. over and over and over again. I've said this on the show many times. Oftentimes, for those of us who've been in the church for a long time, the danger is the good news becoming old news. It's not that it becomes yeah. bad news, like where I don't believe this anymore. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard that before. We need to rehearse it over and over and over again. It's a good word. All right, coming up next, uh, I read something on Twitter that I, I want to believe is true. I think I believe is true. I'm going to read it to you, and we're going to discuss it. You're going to tell me, yes, it's true. No, it's not. We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, along with Steve Koble sitting in for Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. It's great to have you with us. 
on a cold, soon-to-be snowy Monday afternoon here in the Chicagoland. I got to be honest. Post-New Year's, January till about mid-March, this is like, why do we live here time, right? Like totally. this is This is like sanctification. This is like when everyone is like, oh, no, we're tough. Like, I don't want to be tough based on where I live. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the time where we go, what are we doing? I t- my wife and I have that conversation every year. Like, why are we here? But, you know, church we love, family we love. Of course mm-hmm. you're not going to move. But, man. It's the crucible of, of these three months is, is like, if you're, if you're really, if you, you're willing to go through it, like, you're, you're like, legit. <laughs> and I totally feel that way. We are speaking like we live in, like, that part of Alaska where it's, like, negative yeah. 50 and dark. <laughs> It's so true. Okay. Uh, Daniel Darling, he is, uh, writes a lot. We've read his stuff many times here. He wrote this on, on Twitter. Hot take. Here we go. I love anything that starts with hot take. I think like Stephen A. Smith is about to talk to me. <laughs> I think most evangelicals are good people who love the Lord and love their communities. I think most evangelical leaders are good folks trying their best to lead in difficult times. I think most pastors are laboring faithfully in their churches and their communities. All right. So I told you before I was going to read you something that I want to be true. So when you watch the news, when you read stuff, when you whatever, a lot of blog posts, a lot of articles in Christianity Today, wherever else it might be, you get a feel that evangelicalism is in crisis. And there's some parts to it, you know, pastors failing or institutions or just, you know, uh, the poll we just talked earlier today about um, the linking of of evangelicalism with politics, all of this stuff. I desperately want to believe what he's saying here. I desperately want to believe that most evangelical Christians are good people loving Jesus and loving their neighbor. Most leaders are good folks trying their best. And most pastors are laboring faithfully in their churches and their communities. Uh, I think tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about cynicism. And it's one of my struggles. That like, mm-hmm. how do you not get mm-hmm. I think this is what we get cynical about. Is this true? Is this? And I, I think it's true. When I read that to you, are you like, amen, yes? Or are you going, eh, maybe? No, I, I think generally speaking, yes, uh, true. And, I you know, I think we'll we'll have this conversation tomorrow. But there's some parts of this that, like, I think celebrity pastor stuff is generally unhealthy probably. And I think there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things mm. that, that we don't know their names. And that's just the reality of, uh, of celebrity culture. And, and some of that is just, just a part of um, American stuff. Mm. And, but generally speaking, I, I do think that especially, you know, I, I go to, uh, uh, kind of meetings with other I'll go on Wednesday to a meeting with with a group of pastors mm. and I know all those those folks are are really doing their best to to try to exactly what this article says to love people and love God and serve God and see the gospel expand I think that the term evangelical is just a term that is becoming more and more unhelpful um and mm. it, it carries with it a certain connotation that's not um, representative of what the actual definition of of being in, in evangelical is, and so um, yeah, I went to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, yep. and so I think that 
you know, if I tell somebody the title of that school, there's a certain connotation that goes mm. alongside with that, that I'm like, no, this is, this is like the, the academic Christians uh, over here. These, mm. these are the Wheatonish Christians <laughs> uh, over here. Uh, not the, you know, um, it has nothing to do with politics yeah. at, at the school. And, and, and so I just think the term has become unhelpful. That's that's I, I, sadly, I think you might be right here. Uh, I very much believe, actually, that let me speak about the pastors. I know I am a firm believer that and on this show, we have to confront the number of stories locally, globally, yeah. nationally of pastors failing and having to leave their church and all this kind of stuff. I am. A, and I've told you off air that I heard another one this week from my area. Not my town, but my general area mm-hmm. out in the suburbs of Chicago of another pastor mm-hmm. of a big church that I really respect who's having to step away. And those are really discouraging. At the same time, I'm a firm believer that the majority of the vast majority of pastors that I know are what he's describing. Yeah, They are, uh, how does he describe it? Laboring faithfully in their churches and their communities. I don't think they're in it for fame. I don't think they're in it for accolades. I don't think they're in it for money. Uh, yeah, certainly if they're in it for money, they're in the wrong position. <laughs> but I think that most pastors and I think most Christians out there are basically good people trying to love Jesus and love their neighbors mm. Not, imperfectly. Yeah. Uh, and let me here. We'll end it with this. Talk to me about why we have to believe this. Like if you believe the opposite of this, I think you're in a bad place. <laughs> it's going to end poorly for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think generally speaking, if God is um, is still up to what I believe in terms of like uh, my faith journey and 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 experiencing and walking with God, I believe that there are other people who are trying to do the same thing. And um, if I think that even my journey or your journey is to be faithful to God and mm-hmm. faithful to uh, to caring for His people that there are other people out there and uh, that are doing the same exact thing. Mm. And some of the people that get highlighted, I think are the reality of uh, a news, uh, you know, things coming to to be highlighted because we're in a digital age. Mm. But then also, I think that there are certain things that are happening in the world. Like people um, have gone through a pandemic and, some part of some unhealthy thing that they had created in their lives centered around a microphone and a stage. Um, when that was taken away from them, it, it, it got weird. And, um, and there's mental health things that are going on. And, and we have a real enemy that's trying to make sure that the gospel uh, is tainted in some way or the message messengers are tainted uh, who are preaching it. So less people come to know and follow Jesus. And yeah. so that's, I, I think it, the, on the the flip side, we, we start to wonder whether or not what we're doing is even worth it or even important. That's right. That's right. I I don't I don't think we can get hardened. I don't think we can get cynical. I don't think we can get uh, you know super negative or pessimistic about the church and about Jesus followers. Like I, it, the church is still the hope of the world, and that's why we labor in it. And it's imperfect. We're all imperfect, uh, but but we hold on to it. Glad you've spent all your Monday with us or these last two hours. 
Uh, it really has been a good time. And because it's been so fun, Steve, you're going to spend the whole week with us. I mean, it's just it's going to be fun. We're going to have ourselves a good old time. I'm excited. There you go. Uh, I do like to end the show. Aubrey and I will often end the show in uh, various ways. Sometimes it's you know laughs and funny and encouragement, but sometimes it's something a little more profound and something to get keep you thinking throughout your evening. And I want to talk about happiness, depression, sadness. I got thinking about this, and I want to play this here in a second. I was just scrolling Twitter like we do, right? Uh, probably trying to read more stuff about the Giants or the Mets or something, and came across uh, a, a someone reposted where somebody was doing an interview of randomly on the street, right? They stop you and be like, hey, what do you think of this? So what you're going to hear here is it looks like 25-year-old girl or so gets stopped on the street and asked, are you happy? Mm. Which seems like a very, I don't know that they were looking for the depth of the answer that this girl's going to give. So let's listen to it. And then I want to, I want to kind of end our show discussing it. Should I interview you by any chance? Are you happy? No. <laughs> I struggle with severe BPD, so it fluctuates a lot. I struggle with mental health, but I can be really happy. I just am looking for some peace right now. So yeah, right now I'm actually on my way to go day drink while I wait for my girlfriend to get off work because yeah, I don't think a lot of people are happy. We all fabricate our happiness in some way. I'm looking for like inner happiness, like spiritual happiness. And so I go through my phases, but I'm in a bad one right now. So sometimes I drink, which I don't like to do. I don't like to like admit that, but I mean, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. I'm actually really beautiful if you like don't see me when I'm depressed. It's hard when you're sad. It's hard when you're in fight or flight, and I'm in fight or flight right now, so. Thank you for asking. You're doing great, and you are beautiful. Thank you. All right, so they ask her, are you happy? And she dove right in. No, I'm not. And then, well, let me ask you, what stood out to you about what, like I said, is probably a 25-year-old girl? Yeah. What what jumped out as you heard that for the first time? I mean, initially, I, I was like, wow, she's really open and obviously has thought about this uh, a good bit and um, surprisingly honest. Yes. And it was sad to me to think of her going to, to day drink, but some part of that vulnerability, too, is powerful in, in yeah. some way. And um, and then uh, the thing that struck me was that, like, she said she was looking for something spiritual. Right. Yes, she said, I'm looking for deep happiness, spiritual happiness, her mm-hmm. words. Uh, and I, you jumped on the one part that also made me go, oh, when she was like, I am going to day drink and I don't like that about myself. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and she talks about being depressed, fight or flight, all of these things. Now. The, way, the reason I want to end the show with this is because, let's be honest, there's probably a lot of people out there feeling similarly. Right. They wouldn't maybe say it to a camera right. on the street, but there are probably a lot of people out there going, hey, I, I resonate with what that girl is saying. And then you and I are pastors. Like, we believe the church has some answers to this. So if you had a friend or a church member share this kind of thing with you. Yeah. What what would you tell them? Yeah. I think I think that the thing that I would think most uh just would come to the top of mind is just my story of coming to faith in Christ. Mm. And a part of that is coupled with uh pretty deep depression. 
and not knowing what the purpose of life was, mm. uh, being s- just incredibly sad about the losses that I had experienced in life and with no sense of hope for the future. And I think that hopelessness is a big part of people's sadness. Mm. And um, and then I, I reminded of I, I went to a uh, to a garage sale one day before I became a Christian and Jeremiah 29 11 was on a plaque before you became before a Christian. I became a okay. Christian. Uh, it's the passage that says, for I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord plans to give you hope in a future. Mm. Um, and, and all of that obviously is a promise to Israel, but all the promises of God find their yes in Christ, according mm. to Colossians. Um, and so I held on to this idea of purpose and plan and, and then, you know, you look at the New Testament and Matthew, uh, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are yes. weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Mm. Um, and just that spiritual happiness, that that relief. And I think underneath all of the the kind of challenges that we have are like some basic fundamental needs as human beings. And some of that is belonging, acceptance, approval. Um, it It is purpose. It is hope. Mm. Those are things that as human beings, we in, in, like internally, we, we need those things. And the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that he is the gift of God's grace to receive those things. He says in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through these Beatitudes. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the those who mourn. And the, in the Hebrew, that word blessed means happy. Uh, yes. Happy. Yeah. Um, and so there is a part of us saying to ourselves, I am spiritually bankrupt and in desperate need. And then responding and mourning over the reality of that situation and clinging to God's grace mm. and the love that surpasses all understanding becomes ours. Yeah. Yeah. And so then here's belonging, here's acceptance, here's approval. Um, all of those things are true in the gospel. And so I, I just inherently, yeah, that's our, that's what we, that's our hope. That's we, right. we have that in the present. Uh, and this is eternal life. John 17, uh, that they would know you, the one true God mm. and the one whom you sent. Yeah. Um, and so eternal life starts now with the hope of right now and the hope of the future. Yeah. It's a great word, man. Like I would love to know this girl's background cause she's, she even names I'm looking for spiritual mm. happiness and, uh, the church this is one of the the places that we have, I almost said an answer. We have the answer Yeah, that uh, we, way too many churches promise that all your problems will go away. They don't go away. We know right. that. In fact, Jesus basically says, you're going to have more problems if you follow <laughs> me, but that there is purpose, there is joy, there is happiness. Like you say, there is blessing as we follow Jesus. Um, so let's close this way. Someone's feeling a lot like this girl. I'm just fight or flight. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm just, what's step one? Is it, is it prayer? Is it, uh, go see your pastor? Mm. What is kind of, what would you tell somebody? I don't have all the answers for you, but here's, here's the first thing you need to do. Man, that's a, uh, that's a great question in terms of like, what is, uh, what is step one? Yeah. Um, my initial thought is like, yeah, if you, if, if you are looking for a spiritual answer, uh, is to say, Ask God about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the, what is, are, have you done that yes. before? Have you sought God 
and asked him for clarity around these things. Um, and maybe even to, to pray with that person That's right. right then. Um, the other thing I think about is just in, in a holistic sense, like community is really important. Mm. Uh, friendship and relationship is a big part of, of our happiness and, uh, and, and, and of our sense of, of wholeness. And that's probably why the local church is so vital and important, but just like, man, what is, what is your, what do your friendships look like? Yeah. Um, have you, do you have people in your phone that you haven't talked to in, in a while that you actually would like to talk to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, things like that would be sort of like come good to mind word. as like first steps. I think that's good. And I'd encourage you out there if that's where you're at, um, you're not sinning by being sad, right. by being depressed, right. but Jesus is the answer. And so I would, I'd love your call to community, to, to the local church. Also just get on your knees tonight and pray, God, I don't know what I'm even doing, but I trust you and your call to prayer. So uh, hopefully that is an encouragement to you. Well, as we said, Steve's going to join us for the rest of the week. So join us again tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. For Steve Koble, I am Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.